Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. This morning's reading can be found in Colossians chapter 1. We're reading verses 24 to 29. And if you have the church Bibles, that's on page 1182. Colossians chapter 1, beginning at verse 24. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them God hath chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, David. Do keep your Bibles open. That reading, Colossians 1, page 1182. Let me pray. Father, we thank you so much for your Son, your Supreme Son. I pray this morning as we think about what it means to be involved in telling people about him, that you would help us to be ready for the kind of life you call us to as we proclaim your Son. And we pray this for your glory. Amen. Our lawn was looking a bit patchy, so a few weeks ago I went to the garden center to buy some grass seed. I am feeling quite middle-aged today, first the golf and then <laughs> lawn maintenance. And um, I had no idea how many different kind of grass seeds you can buy at a garden center. I was overwhelmed by a, a shelf packed full of all kinds of different grass seeds. In the end, I went for this one. And uh, the reason why I went for this one is because on the front it has a clock And the small print says that this grass seed grows twice as quickly as any other grass seed on the market. And so I bought it. I won't tell you how the grass is going. The thing is, we like quick results, don't we? Not just when it comes to gardening, in all kinds of areas of life. So perhaps we put on a few pandemic pounds And we want to find a diet that will help us to lose the weight as quickly, as easily as possible. Maybe we're revising for exams, and we have to get this information crammed into our minds somehow. We want to find the quickest, easiest way to get that information into our heads. A new football manager. They seem to have around, what, five games these days to get results before they get the sack because the football fans expect quick results. And when it comes to our Christian lives and our growth as Christians, 
it's so easy to expect or to want or to look for the quick fix, the easy gains. In our own lives, perhaps we know we have a problem with our temper or lust or being impatient with people. We just want these things to go away, to somehow for us to suddenly be more mature Christians. Or perhaps there's someone else, another Christian in our small group who we love dearly, but we can just spot that there's something in their life that they need help with to grow. Perhaps we can see their selfishness or lack of concern for others, or we just hear them gossiping about someone, and we just want to fix them, to help them quickly grow, and then sort it out, all done, move on. The Colossian Christians wanted to grow, and that's a good thing. In fact, even that desire is a challenge for some of us, maybe this morning. But in their eagerness to grow, the Colossians were in danger of following the quick fix option. In chapter 2, when we get there, we'll find that there are certain people, not Paul, teaching other ways to grow, teaching certain fancy philosophies, or avoiding certain foods, or having some amazing spiritual experience. If you have these things or, or don't do those things, then you will grow. All be fixed quickly, easily. But these things are all hollow deceptive and futile, Paul will say. In contrast, we've already met someone called Epaphras. He's a local lad from Colossae. He's gone and heard the gospel. He's come back to the church, or he started the church. He's taught the gospel. And Paul, back in chapter 1, verse 7, describes Epaphras as a fellow servant, a faithful minister of Christ. And at the end of last week's passage, Paul finishes off his extraordinary summary of the Supreme Son with verse 23. Just glance down. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. And so our reading today from verse 24 onwards, Paul goes on to describe what it looks and feels like to be a servant, a faithful minister of the gospel. He writes to the Colossians to help them know what kind of ministry to follow, what to expect in their own Christian life, and also how to spot the frauds, the quick fix solutions that aren't centered on Christ and will take them ultimately nowhere. And he does write, and we'll see this this morning, to give the Colossians a pattern for how they should live as well. And that'll be true for each of us today. So two marks of genuine gospel ministry, the kind that will lead to genuine growth. Well, two points this morning. Genuine gospel ministry involves, first of all, suffering like Christ. It involves suffering like Christ. Let's pick it up, verse 24. Paul writes, Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's affliction for the sake of his his body, which is the church. 
You see, straight away, it's clear. Genuine gospel ministry, it's hard. It involves suffering. That was Paul's experience. We know from chapter 4 that he writes this letter from prison. He's in chains. And if you read other letters he wrote, for example, 2 Corinthians, you see again and again how hard his life was as a servant of Christ, being beaten and shipwrecked and going hungry and betrayed and persecuted, exhausted. But what does Paul mean when he says in verse 24, I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's affliction? A few verses earlier, Paul has just been talking about Christ's affliction. We saw last week, verse 20, how we're told that the blood of Christ was shed on the cross. Verse 22, his physical body was given over to death on the cross. A huge amount of suffering. But also it was sufficient for the church because through his death on the cross, sinners though we are, we can stand before God without blemish, free from accusation. The death of Jesus has done it all for us. So back in verse 24, Paul cannot be saying Jesus didn't quite suffer enough on the cross. And so along comes Paul to finish off what Christ couldn't do. So what is Paul saying? Well, I've got a jug of, uh, of squash here. I'm, I'm fairly nervous because it's bright red and the carpet's new. But uh, here's some squash. And let's, let's say this squash represents suffering, hardship, affliction, to use Paul's words. And we've got two people. The first is Jesus, his life. And we're told in Colossians 1 that he suffered a very great deal. He died on the cross. And so if you like, his life was full of suffering and affliction. No one can suffer more than Jesus dying on the cross. What about the Apostle Paul? Well, he has suffered a lot in his life. He's been beaten, shipwrecked, gone hungry, exhausted, persecuted, and so on. So, yes, there is definitely suffering in his life. But he's still alive. He's in prison, but he's not dead yet. He's still able to proclaim the gospel. So he suffered something of what Christ has suffered, but his cup is not full yet. He's not died. And so, if you like, as Paul looks forward to the rest of his life, he imagines, he's ready for, he expects his cup to go on being filled up with suffering because he is an apostle of Christ and he follows one who suffered to the max. And I think that's what Paul means in verse 24 when he fills up in his flesh what is lacking in regard to Christ's affliction. He is ready, prepared for, expecting his future to be more suffering, even to the point of death, like Jesus. There's a very important pattern here. Christ sets the pattern. He suffered a very great deal, and his servant Paul also has suffered. Why is Paul suffering so much? It's not because he's being rude or annoying people. No, verse 25. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. 
This is why Paul is suffering. He could have chosen an easy life by saying nothing, being quiet about Christ. Instead, he's chosen to go around the Mediterranean telling as many people as possible about Christ, preaching the gospel of Christ, presenting God's word in its fullness to anyone he can. And that's why he's suffering. Because people don't always like the message. If people put the death of the Lord Jesus, then they will push it back against those who proclaim him. For these Colossians, perhaps tempted by other voices that offered a quick, easy growth, you can imagine them being put off the kind of person Paul is, writing from prison, a weak, suffering apostle whose life is marked by hardship. These other voices offering a, a quick, fixed Christian experience, an easy path to growth. But Paul writes to reassure them that he is a genuine gospel minister. He has been passing on God's word to them in all its fullness. And that's why he's suffering. For us today, the Apostle Paul's teaching goes on being unpopular to many people in the world today. They don't like what he has to say. They might try to ignore his words or to change them. And if we are going to stick with Paul and his faithful teaching about Christ, then we need to be prepared to experience flack and hardship from a world that doesn't like Christ or his apostle Paul. But Paul also wants the Colossians to get on board with the reality of gospel ministry. We love a quick fix, an easy solution, but genuine gospel ministry is not like that. I mentioned that guest service coming up in three weeks' time. If we do pluck up the courage to invite a friend or one of our family members or a neighbor to come along to the service, there's a chance that they won't like being asked to come. Or if they do come, they might not like what they hear about Jesus when he's preached. And that might jeopardize our friendship or put tension on it. We might get flack or pushback from them. And if we want an easy Christian life, we won't tell anyone about the guest service or about Jesus. It's much harder to put our neck out and to invite someone. But Paul is showing the Colossians and us that genuine gospel ministry involves suffering like Christ. which is a tough thing to hear. But for Paul, the suffering is totally worth it. Remember how he begins, verse 24. He says, Now I rejoice in what I'm suffering for you. <laughs> what an extraordinary thing for a man in prison to say. But why does he rejoice? Well, because people are hearing the word of God in its fullness which is, verse 26, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. This year, 2022, marks the 100-year anniversary since the tomb of Tutankhamun was discovered. For centuries, there was hidden this great treasure that, that no one knew about, 
And then back in 1922, the tomb was discovered and then began this process of bringing out into the openness a, a mass amount of treasure. And the treasure, of course, was paraded around the world for everyone to see. And that's something of what Paul is talking about here with this mystery. For ages, the truth about Christ was not known. God's plans for the whole world, Jew and Gentile, was not known to everyone. It was a treasure hidden. But through the preaching of Christ, that treasure is being brought out into the open. And so verse 27, To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is why Paul is willing to suffer like Christ. He's busy bringing out into the open the treasure that is Christ. Remember last week we saw the supreme son. The son who is supreme over all creation. Who is supreme over the new creation. Who is supreme over reconciliation. No one greater than the son. To know the son is the supreme treasure in all of life. That's what Paul is talking about. It's stunning news in the present, but it's even better news for the future. Paul says, this is the hope of glory. Paul's referring to that moment when Jesus returns. And in Colossians 3 verse 4, he explains that at that moment, we also will appear with Christ in glory. For now... The supreme son comes to live in the heart of a Christian by his spirit. But on that day, we will see him face to face and enjoy him forever. And in that sense, we hope for that day of glory. You see, there is a shape to genuine gospel ministry established by Christ Suffering first, then glory, and shown by his servant, the Apostle Paul. And he reminds us that serving Christ will often feel hard, like suffering. It's not easy speaking up about Christ in a world that doesn't want to hear about Christ. But Paul says we can rejoice because there is glory to come. For us, for those whom God might bring to salvation through our words about Christ. Genuine gospel ministry involves suffering like Christ. That's our first point. But second, genuine gospel ministry involves preaching only Christ. Preaching only Christ. You see, there are lots of voices around in, in uh, Colossae. Preaching a progress and growth that is not centered on Christ. Observing special days, special diets, special experiences. But what about the Apostle Paul? What's his plan for growth? Verse 28. He, that is Christ, he is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. In my first year as a student, undergraduate, it took me a little while to settle down into a local church. I don't recommend that pattern, but that was my experience. I remember visiting one particular church where 
the minister stood up holding a, a wad of A4 pages with tiny neat handwriting on it, and he placed it on the lectern, and he was quite short-sighted, so he leaned forward, and for the next half an hour, he just read the sermon. He didn't look up at all, and he just read away. And I remember, as a first-year student, just being fairly unimpressed. I thought, well, I probably won't go back. Some of my friends said, well, come on, you know, keep coming, give him a second chance. And over the next four years, those were some of the most significant years of my growth as a Christian because that man, hunched forward reading his sermon, was proclaiming Christ week after week after week. And it wasn't just me who grew under his preaching. There were hundreds of students around who came under the sound of Christ being proclaimed and they were transformed. Nothing glitzy, nothing glamorous, nothing impressive in the world's eyes, but Christ being proclaimed. It's great having the Pathfinders in with us this morning. Good to see you. Thanks for uh, sticking around this morning. It may feel like a long way away, but at some point, you're going to want to leave home. And at some point, you're going to go somewhere else, and you're going to have to decide for yourself what kind of church you want to go to. At the moment, your parents might drag you along to forward. But where would you go if you could choose? Paul would say, pick a church where Christ is proclaimed. That's how you'll grow as a Christian. Maybe some students here this morning. Maybe some coming to the end of their degrees. It's that time of year. As you think about moving on from forward, perhaps moving for a job, what kind of church will you choose? The glitzy, glamorous churches with amazing experiences? or those that preach Christ. You see, the way in in the Christian life through Christ is also the way on. It's how we grow. He is the one we need always, forevermore. The church wardens sent around an update this week in the weekly email uh, telling us about the update on the appointment process for our new vicar. Let's be praying that the Lord brings a faithful man to come and join us who has his heart set on this glorious task of proclaiming Christ alone. It's what we need as a church. It's how true growth takes place. But it's not easy. Verse 29. To this end, I strenuously contend. Imagine a marathon runner pounding out the miles. In my case, I really do have to imagine. But, but imagine the, the constant pain, constantly on the edge of trying to go as fast as possible, but without going so fast that you overdo it and have to give up. That's something of Paul's experience as he goes around preaching Christ. It is a strenuous exhausting, all-consuming task. You see, genuine gospel ministry is not about the quick fix, the fast results. It's not the way God works in Christ. The way God works in Christ is that Christ is proclaimed, but those who do it experience, well, it's hard, it's a laboring. But there is great help Did you see verse 29? To this end, I strenuously contend 
with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. The experience of proclaiming Christ might feel exhausting like running a marathon, but there is incredible divine power made available to keep servants going. Genuine gospel ministry involves preaching only Christ. And so again, Paul writes to encourage the Colossians and us to stick with a message and a ministry that may not appear impressive or quick or glamorous, but that will bring true and lasting growth. But Paul also wants to encourage us to get busy doing genuine gospel ministry ourselves. And I say this because of what Paul goes on to say in Colossians 3. So if you have your Bibles open at Colossians 1, just flick forward one page to Colossians 3 and verse 16. Colossians 3, 16. As I read these words, just listen to the common language we've already heard. Paul says to the Colossians, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. You see the similar wording? The message of Christ, the word of Christ, uh, teaching, admonishing. Those are the words that Paul used to describe his own ministry, but now he says to the Colossians, you, you too go and do that as well amongst each other. You see, being part of a church is not like being a football supporter where you turn up once a week and watch other people run around. No, it's more like we're all on the team. We all have a role to play. We're all part of things. And here Paul is very clear. We all have a role to play in bringing the word of Christ to bear, teaching each other, admonishing one another with the message about Christ. We can do this in lots of ways. In just a moment, we'll do it as we sing two songs to finish. That's one way we teach and admonish one another with gospel truth. But also afterwards, over coffee, as we chat with one another, we can bring Christ to bear into our conversations and lives. Or this week at small group, as we look at the Bible and discuss it together, we can encourage one another. We can ring up a friend, we can go for a coffee, go for a walk. All kinds of ways in which we can play our part to bring Christ's word to bear in people's lives. I know it's tricky if someone does open up to us about a big thing in their lives, a big decision they have to make, struggles at work, a tricky marriage relationship, a friend they're struggling with. What do we say? It's easy to slip into giving horizontal advice, human wisdom, and I'm not against that. There's lots of wisdom in the world around us that's helpful to bring to share. It's harder to bring Christ in to that situation, to think through, to wrestle with how truth about Christ could land in that person's life and help them with that tricky situation. It is daunting, I know how it feels, let me reassure you that sometimes even just a sentence, a phrase about Christ can really change the day in people's lives. Or if we're stuck for ideas, we can go back to Colossians 1 
verses 15 to 23, that description of the supreme son. There's something there about Jesus for almost every situation I can think of under the sun that brings good news into a hard situation. Of course, it is easy to lose heart in this kind of ministry. We want to help people. We want people to grow and to be in good heart in Christ. But often it it just seems to take so much time. The person we've been walking with for 10 years, they still have the same struggles as 10 years ago. The people in our small group seem to wrestle with the same things year after year. We ourselves may struggle with the same things year after year. Maybe we're a small group leader. Maybe we're someone who helps out by teaching our young people across the way at various points. Maybe we're wondering, is it worth it sticking with Christ? It just doesn't seem to bring about that much difference. Well, I think, I think Paul would understand the feeling. He would say, I get where you're coming from. There is no quick fix, no easy growth option. Genuine gospel ministry is often hard and slow. But Paul would say to us, proclaiming Christ does change people's lives. It means they will be mature in Christ before him when he returns. And there is great power available to us. So let's be praying as we bring the word to bear that God would use our efforts for his glory. And one day, our hope of glory will no longer be a hope because finally we will stand face to face before the one we have been proclaiming all those years. We will see him. And we will also see the people around us who we've been preaching Christ to as well. And we'll see them also there with Christ on that final day in glory. And on that day, the day of glory, we'll know it's all been worth it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the Lord Jesus, how he is supreme over all, how he is the one alone worth proclaiming in every situation, in every season. And we thank you that in him, we have all we need to grow to maturity in Christ. And so I pray as a church family that you would renew our confidence in him, that you would ready us in our hearts for the task of proclaiming Christ a task that is so often difficult and challenging and involves suffering. Father, please give us perseverance, stamina, confidence, knowing that it's well worth it. And we do pray that in and through us, Christ would be proclaimed. And in his name we pray. Amen.